I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at two verses of scripture. Everything is in the YouVersion app. If you can tap or turn, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Once again, we are so glad that you made time to worship with us this morning. And we pray that you be blessed. Ephesians chapter 3, 17, uh, beginning with verse 17 out of the NIV version, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Please be seated for just a few moments. Just to give you a little bit of context to understand what is taking place in this particular scripture that we are considering this morning, the city of Ephesus, Paul is writing to. Um, this was a large and wealthy commercial port city in Asia Minor. Where it, it is what we know today as Turkey. And as a large population center on a major trade route and the capital of the Roman province of Asia, Ephesus was considered to be a gateway to Asia. So some scholars have noted that in their research, they believe that the church of Ephesus was one of the most educated churches in the sense that the Apostle Paul stayed there and ministered for three years, and after he left, his spiritual son, Timothy, stayed there and ministered as well. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians while he was imprisoned in Rome. Some believe it was house arrest, and he was unsure of what awaited for him. He didn't know what his fate would be. He didn't know what the final outcome would be, but this is an incredible sign of his faith and his trust in God, that not knowing what is to come, not knowing if death would be at the doorstep waiting for him, he writes to the book of, he writes to the church in Ephesus, he writes the book of Ephesians, and he encourages them, and he lets them know that there is a God who has made them alive in him. He lets them know that there is a love that is so hard and so difficult for us to understand at times. He opens the chap his book in chapter 1 by stating in verse 3, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. It's all because of him. Verse 7, he says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Once again, it's all because of him. We understand that in chapter 2, we are made alive in Christ. And in chapter 3 is where we find the verse that we're looking at this morning, where he talks about this incredible love. And when we experience, it's important for us to understand as believers that when we experience the presence of Jesus in our lives through the Holy Spirit, the result is that we are rooted and that we are both grounded in love. Once we have been rooted and grounded, we can then begin the process of going deeper to understand this love 
and to experience the love of God like never before in our lives. When we are, like he mentions at the closing of verse 9, he says, when we are measured to the fullness of God. Paul puts it this way in the book of Romans chapter 5, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which was given to us, rooted and grounded. It's a mixed metaphor, a mixed analogy that Paul uses here. He uses an agricultural term and he uses an architectural term to be able to drive home the point that he is trying to make because when you are certain of God's love for you, then you are rooted and you are grounded at the same time. When you are rooted, it's like a seed that goes into the ground and then from there it develops and you have a plant and it is able to bear fruit. We are rooted in the love of God, but when we are grounded, it's laying the foundation that we are able to be established in his love, that we are able to be unmovable and unshakable, not because of who we are, but because of who he is, because of who our foundation is. And there are some of us here today that know what that is like to have gone through different seasons and through different trials and through different circumstances in life and things that seem to have knocked us one way or the other, but by the grace of God, we survived. And it is not because of who we are, but it is because of who we serve. It is not because of what we know, but it's because we know the God of the word and we have been grounded in him and we are able to have a sure foundation. So whatever storms come our way, so whatever trials come to try to knock us down, whatever attacks your marriage and your family, we are able to survive through the power and through the grace of Jesus Christ. It's God's desire that we be rooted and that we both and we be grounded in his love. And then the Apostle Paul says then that you would know, that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. So here he, he seems to say, I want you to understand this. But yet in the same sentence he says, but it's difficult to understand. It surpasses all knowledge. Another translation says it surpasses all understanding. I want you to know something that is difficult for the human mind to comprehend because we have a frame of reference as human beings and, and we, have, we live in a world where love is tossed in all different forms, in all different fashions without even understanding what it is truly, what it is truly defined. And because of the experiences that we have in our own life and what we have been able to go through, we automatically reference and connect love to what we know it to be. But that's what Paul is talking about. He is talking about to understand his love that is not like what you and I are accustomed to. The, the Greek word that he uses is the Greek word gnosko, which means it's a progressive knowledge that as time goes on and that as we keep living, as, as we keep serving God, as we keep living for him, that we would know this incredible love that through different trials that through different seasons, that we would know the love of the Father. That when people that we were counting on, that people that told us they love us, walked out on us. And that when people that we were counting on, that we thought loved us, talk about us, and, and betray us. And that when people that we were counting on, were all, of, all of a sudden turned their backs 
on us. That it is through those moments and through those seasons that we are able to understand that Jesus is all we have and he is all we need. It is through those moments that we are able to understand that there is a love. There is a love that is not superficial. No, there is a love that is genuine, that is demonstrated through acts in the Bible, that through my failures and that through my setbacks, that through my low moments and through my weakness, I would be sustained by a God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved the world. Every single one of us are included under that umbrella. That is you and that is me, that with our imperfections, that when he knew that we would fail him, that when he knew our, our future before we even knew it that he would give his only son and says you know what I love you so much that even though you'll reject me even though you'll talk about me even though you won't believe in me I still love you that is a love that surpasses all understanding that there may be people that don't understand who God is and may not have and, and may doubt his existence but God so loved them that he died for them also that's a love that surpasses all understanding. The apostle John highlighted his love in his first epistle. He said, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. Can we capture that for just a moment? That through his love we have access to be called the sons of God. It's an incredible love. But years before Jesus would come to earth, before he would come and be bruised and battered for our sins, he calls a prophet who is not widely known, but his name is Hosea. He's considered one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. And he prophesied in the latter part of the 8th century before Christ. And he, he directs his message to the northern kingdom of Israel. And it's noted that he is the only prophet that writes from the northern kingdom. 750 years before Jesus would come to earth, he picks this man named Hosea. Now you have other prophets like Isaiah... Jeremiah, Daniel, but this one had a particular, particularly unique task that God called him to do. Some prophets had the unpleasant news of, of delivering a message that was not always encouraging, but they would prophesy on the state of the Israel and what God was going to do. There was lots of ups and downs, but Hosea has a job unlike the others. Israel had been disloyal to, to God by worshiping Canaan, Canaanite deities, and they, they sought these to be their source of abundance. They were looking at these deities as th th that, that being the source of them receiving what they had. So the people of Israel can't seem to make up their mind about God. One day they're up, one day they're down, one day they love him, one day they don't. And here we're given insight into God's incredible grace and his heart towards his people. 
that even through idolatry, he promises a new day. He promises a new day. Hosea repeatedly, what we see through him as he draws out com completely the grace and the nature of God and continues to plead with the people even when they don't know definitively if they're committed to God. Even when they have chosen other lovers, even when they have chosen and when they've looked in other directions. So God tells Hosea in, cha in chapter 1, he says, go marry a promiscuous woman. Go marry a prostitute and have children with her. I can imagine that it's not the, the picture that, I, that Hosea had painted for himself. It's not the picture that he thought of. But through this, through this scene that is developing through Hosea's life, God wants to show the people of Israel his true heart and how much he truly loves them. In Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, he said, he, told her, he tells her to marry her, and in verse 3, it states, he marries her. He marries this woman named Gomer. No argument, no pushback. He says, God says in one verse, marry her, and in verse 3, he marries her. He marries her, and he loves her. He marries her, and he loves her. And it is through this picture that we see that it is the love of God that finds us and that chases us. Gomer didn't find Hosea. No, Hosea found Gomer. And this is interesting because Gomer, I can imagine, couldn't fathom the fact that somebody would love her because of what she had been exposed to before. The rejection, being with man, but not knowing love. And it is hard for her to be able to truly capture and to fully embrace the love of God because of everything that has led up to this moment in her life. So she has stuck to what she has been used to, but here comes Hosea. He finds her. He loves her. He marries her. And for Gomer, it was what was familiar to her until this moment when Hosea showed up and said, hey, I want, I want to marry you. And more than I want to marry you, I love you. I love you. I understand your occupation, I understand what you've been through, I understand your situation, I understand your failures, I understand your setbacks, I understand that you are not perfect, but hey, Gomer, I love you. I love you for who you are. What day, what a day it was when Hosea showed up. And what a day it was when God showed up in my life and in your life. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul puts it this way, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Did you catch that? Made us alive when we were dead in transgressions. And it is, great, it is by grace 
that you are you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus it is his great love not our great love it is his great love he initiated and we simply respond and say I don't know what you see in me but I say yes I say yes to your love I say yes to your mercy I say yes to your grace I say yes to your promises I don't know God what you see in me because the truth is I'm harder on myself sometimes than anybody else and that we are our toughest critics and we are our most toughest enemies because nobody knows our shortcomings like I know them and nobody knows my failures like I know them and the same is true for you this morning but the truth of the matter is that sometimes we say God I don't understand how you could love someone like me that even though I've known your love I still continue to make poor choices and even though I've known your love I still continue to do this or to do that but the truth of the matter is that he doesn't see us the way we see ourselves it is his mercy Merriam-Webster says mercy is a compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power It's to get something that we don't really deserve. He made us alive with Christ. And that even though when we were dead in our transgressions, when we were distracted, when we were unaware of his love, or maybe we were aware of his love but yet still choosing different paths, when we knew that he loved us, headed in the opposite direction, when the addiction overpowered us and when it was hard to overcome that particular habit, his love found us. When no one else gave us a chance, when no one else said there's no way, there's no way that that person could ever could ever come back from the from the cards that life has dealt them. When when no one else gave us a chance, God said, I'll, I'll love you. I'll give you a chance. When everybody else said that there's no way that he could change, there's no way she could change, his love found us. The book of Psalms puts it this way. He brought us up out of the pit of destruction out of the mud and he set my feet on a rock and he made my footsteps firm there is nobody that can do for me like Jesus can do for me and I have news for someone this morning that you've never maybe encountered his love in this particular manner he loves you just the same right where you're at right the way you came into this building with your failures with your setbacks arguing with your spouse as you walked in he still loves you and he still died for you and he still has something greater for you his love finds us and his love stabilizes us his love stabilizes us in an unstable world his love stabilizes us so here you have this woman Gomer, she's used to men, but she's not used to love. And her and Hosea have children. Three to be exact. Start a family. She's starting a new life. So here she is. Caught in the middle of who she used to be. And who Hosea believes she can be. 
different environment. It's a diff different surroundings. And it was hard for her to be able to truly capture this. And you can see it as, as we read on. Because of what she had been through, it was hard for her to truly say, I believe you love me. And that, that may be a battle that we're facing here today. And it may be a battle that we have faced in our lives. That it's hard to comprehend that God truly loves us in spite of everything. And you may say, but you don't know what, what I did. But God does, and he still loves you. He knew it before you even went there, and he still loves you. And this is hard for us because we're used to conditional love. We're used to people that have told us that they love us, but yet when something goes south, they walk out on us. It's a conditional love, and, and, and through that, because that's all we know, we automatically think it's our default setting that that's what God's love is. But nothing could be further from the truth. Could we dare to rise this morning and see ourselves the way God sees us as his children? Hosea saw Gomer through the eyes of love, but Gomer couldn't quite understand and couldn't quite embrace that Hosea would truly love her because she did not see herself the way he saw her. She saw herself solely through her visions and through her perspective. When we see him the way he sees us, when we see us the way he sees us, things begin to change. When we see ourselves the way he sees us and we start living for him his word declares but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and brought you in to his wonderful light. That, that we would know what the Bible says, that he came to his own, but his own received him not. But to everyone that received him, everyone that received him, he gave them the power to be called, to become the children of God, to become, I, I, or who are are we becoming? Are we becoming his children? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Can we understand that this morning that it is we are not righteous by what we do. We are righteous because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. We are righteous because of the finished work. We are bought with a price. We are justified through him and by him we are more than and conquers through him who loved us. Let's see ourselves the way he sees us, that we have been delivered, that the chains of bondage have been broken, that we have been liberated, that we have been set free. We are the children of the living God. Let us see ourselves the way he sees us. He stabilizes us. But what about the times when we begin to 
veer off the road. And we begin to look in other places. And that's what one of the things that the people of Israel, this northern kingdom of Israel, was caught up with. They were caught up with their material possessions. It was a very prosperous time in Israel. And they had no love for God. They had love for things. And they were caught up in everything that they had that they had an erroneous concept, a wrong concept of what love was. And it is through Hosea that God says, I'll show my people what love really is. Because you think that's love, but that's not really love. So he tells Hosea, go marry her, love her, have children with her. She can't embrace it. The love of Hosea was too much for this woman. So one day we understand that she leaves the house. She leaves the house and Gomer is nowhere to be found. And I can only imagine what was going through the mind of Hosea, this prophet who had this reputation to uphold, this, this man of God who was esteemed, who was viewed as this, this incredible individual. Gomer is nowhere to be found. Perhaps thinking that he's going to be a single parent now. Perhaps thinking the worst. Who knows where she's at. And the Bible tells us that God came to her. God came to Hosea again and says, go and find her. Go and find her. He says, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. And I don't know the exact details because the Bible doesn't tell us, but Hosea's response again, after she has done this to me again, and Hosea reminds us of God's nature, that he is a pursuing God. Who goes after his people. Now this is not a license to, to do whatever we want to. Paul said should we remain in sin. So that grace would abound. He said by no means. But this is an opportunity for us. To refocus this morning. And to look at him. For who he really is in our lives. Hosea is instructed to love this unlovable wife of his as God loves Israel. He shows us that God loves with an unconditional love. That while we were in sin, God sent his son to save us. So here he is. Go look for her, Hosea. Go look for her. No restrictions, no specifics. Looking in different places were... Where can she be? Where can she be? So through the scripture, we're able to find out that she was in a place that a man of God should not be. And he goes, some scholars believe that he found her in a slave auction where she's being sold off. And he shows up to the scene. Can you imagine what this was like? For Hosea, but can you imagine what this was like for Gomer? For just a minute, as she is on the auction table, that she turns around and she sees Hosea is there. 
you, you love me? You love me even after all this? Here is his wife being sold off, God telling him to go show his love again. And he is there. And Gomer looks, you love me even after this? You love me this much? How, how can it be when I haven't reciprocated this love to you? How can it be when I haven't loved you the same way that you have loved me? And the Bible says that Hosea purchased Gomer for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. Together, they would have equaled about 30 pieces of silver. But this is, this is very important for us to understand. This was the price that was paid for a common slave in those times. But the price paid to redeem Gomer shows us how low she had gone because barley was a food that was used solely for animals. And it was only eaten by the poorest people. People, But silver, when you look at what silver means, it means redemption. And when you look at the number 15, it's five times three. That The number five symbolizes grace. And the number three symbolizes God. And it is through the grace of God that she is redeemed. She is redeemed again and again and again. I'm grateful for a God of second chances. And I'm also grateful for a God of 53 chances. And if we're still breathing here today, it's still an opportunity for us to say, God, I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't understand how you could love me when I haven't reciprocated the love that you have shown to me. But I say yes. And I will live for you. And I will live my life. Because you love me that much. Because you love me that much. By the grace of God, she was redeemed. And in Hosea chapter 3, verse 3, then I told her, you are, this is Hosea speaking to Gomer. And many believe that it was renew, a renewal of their vows. He says, you are to live with me many days. and You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way towards you she went he went to find her in the lowest situation possible and to show us that there is nowhere our God will not go to find you and there is nowhere that our God will not go to find me while, while we may be here in, in the physical sense, maybe in the spiritual sense. We are in a place that is so far off from God and we wonder, God, do you still love me? I want to remind you today that there's a God that still loves you regardless of where you're at, regardless of where you are spiritually, emotionally, or mentally. There is a God that says, I will come to you and I will show my love to you again and again and again and again. He will go where no one else will go to rescue you. He will go where no one else will say. He will go where people will turn their backs. He will go to that place. He hasn't given up on you yet. I'm grateful that he hasn't given up on me yet. Worship team, will you come? He hasn't given up on me yet that through everything, that I've done and through everything that you've done, there is a love that says, you know what? Yeah, you've rejected me. You've betrayed me. You haven't loved me the way I've loved you. But he says, I have not given up on you. First John chapter 4. 
verse 9 through 10. It says, this is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we may live through him. And then he puts this. He goes, this is love. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and has sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In our failures, he loves us. understand God how you could love me and many of us have been in those circumstances and many of us know people in situations that will say I, I, I will never go to church because God can't love me I've heard this time and time again Dear friends, it says in verse 11, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. I can't help but tell of the love of God, and I can't help but tell of the goodness of God, and I can't help but share with you and say, you know what? Yeah, you may think that there's no hope for you, but God does. God sees the end from the beginning and everything in between. And it didn't stop him then, and it doesn't stop him today. It doesn't stop him in your life. It doesn't stop him in that particular relative that you may be thinking of right now that says, you know what, I'll never go. I, I don't know if God could love me. God can change, and God can restore, and God can deliver, and God can set free. He is still a chain breaker. He is still a deliverer. He is still a restorer. He still makes a way where there is no way. Could we just, in this morning, in this morning, just embrace his love? Right where you're at. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And maybe in this place, this is your first time hearing of the love of God that surpasses all understanding that surpasses all human comprehension and maybe you never heard that he loves you in spite of what you've been through in spite of what you're going through and I'd like if you'd like to make a first time decision today to make Jesus your Lord and Savior I'm going to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at with every eye closed. You can let us know in the chat. You could raise your hand and we, we want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to believe that in this moment, in this moment, God can make a difference. And God can change and God can come into your heart and make all things new. Here at Impact City Church, we believe in community and that 
no one should do life alone. So we're going to pray together. Everyone, please repeat after me. Lord, I admit I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you are Jesus, the Son of God, who died for the sins of the world. And I confess you as Lord, as Savior, and King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we stand to our feet and clap our hands to Jesus this morning? And just praise him for what he's doing.